When you think about Jesus Christ, what kind of image comes to your mind? Is it a meek and mild, gentle, easygoing kind of guy? Or maybe it's somebody that you see, see in the pictures, the kind of guy that picks up lambs and puts them around his shoulders and he's walking through the countryside. Or maybe it's a, a person who is full of love and accepting of everybody. Or maybe you see Jesus as a warrior. You realize he was the son of a carpenter. He was a construction worker. And you, see, he, you say he must have been a mean, mean green fighting machine. I believe Jesus Christ was the greatest warrior of all time. He did spiritual battle everywhere that he went. Every day he battled against the devil and the force of evil. He was victorious over sin. He was victorious over death. Three days later he walked out from the grave and when Jesus Christ returns he won't be coming on a meek and mild donkey. But the Bible says he'll be on a great white horse. John the Apostle says this from Revelation. He says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judge and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on the head are many crowns. He has a name written on him, and that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of the mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He, he, he treads in, in, in winepress on the fury of wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on the high he, was, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sounds like a warrior to me. Last September here at Huntsville Christian Church, uh, we challenged everyone, especially the men, we challenged them to be courageous men of their faith, courageous men of their family. And I believe in our culture today, is, I believe our culture today is lacking men who will take a stand and step up and make decisions based upon character and integrity instead of greed. Our culture today is lacking men who will honor their marriage and protect their families no matter what the cost. Men, if you're going to be victorious warriors, you must decide what is most important to you. How are you going to make a difference in this world? What is the legacy that you're going to leave? What are the values that you're going to pass on? If you're going to be a warrior that wins that life, I think there are three questions you must ask yourself. Three questions that we have to answer. Question one, what is the cause I must embrace? In other words, what am I going to give my life to? Why did Jesus accomplish so much in three years of his earthly ministry? I believe it was because he was very, he was very clear about the cause that he must embrace. He was clear about his mission and his purpose. He said this, he says, For the Son of Man, meaning himself, came to seek and save the lost. The heart of God was to save lost people. The heart of God was to send His only Son, Jesus Christ, to reconnect the people that, that were far from God. Because lost people were the Lord's heart. We believe, we believe that we must be concerned with this as well today. Today it is said that 85% of people do not go to church. Our mission here at HCC begins with reaching people for Jesus Christ. What is the cause you're, you're committing your life to today? Because every warrior has a cause.
If you don't find yourself having a worthwhile cause, you're going to find yourself going after the wrong things. We see it all around us today. Bored warriors, bored men with no cause, with no purpose, and what happens? They self-destruct. From, from drugs and alcohol to greed, and not only do they self-destruct, they destruct those they destruct those that are around them as well. All throughout the Bible, we see this. We see the story after after story of God giving people a cause to invest in, and it, it began with Abraham. Abraham said, uh, "God says this to Abraham. Abraham says, I want you to take your family and go.' Abraham says, "Where am I going? I don't know. I'll show you when I get there." Whoops. What was his cause? You'll be the father of a great nation. To Moses who was tending his sheep out in the desert. God says to Moses, I want you to go and rescue my people over bondage and slavery. And lead them to Egypt. That was his cause. To Esther who was the queen. Her cause, I want you to go before the king even if it costs your life. And I want you to save the Jewish people. To Joshua after Moses died. and He was a young man that was called to take the people to the promised land. The Bible the Bible puts it this way. Be strong and courageous. Be a warrior because you will lead the people to the land I swore their forefathers to give him. That was his cause. Every warrior has a cause. Every warrior has a cause to embrace. Every warrior has a cause to fight for. I remember when I was a kid, I loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Man, I loved Raphael. No one, I, we had Donatello. He was a purple one. No one wanted to be Donatello. It's kind of dorky and nerdy. But even the Ninja Turtles had a cause. It was usually to stopping crime in the streets of New York City or stopping the evil shredder taking over the world. Sharon Ross Miller was a princess warrior. She was a 34-year-old stay-at-home mom who lived in Montana. On 9-11, she watched in horror as the Twin Towers in New York City fell to the ground. And she said, this is my cause I'm going to live for. She began to study Arabic. She, she, she also posed online as a member of Al-Qaeda. And, and, she, and she would entice would-be terrorists into exchanging email addresses with her. In August 2002, she tracked down a Pakistani arms dealer and turned him into the FBI. In 2003, she exposed a National Guardsman who wanted to sell secrets to other countries. And in 2004, he was court-martialed. Her identity was exposed, and after that, she received numerous death threats. This 34-year-old stay-at-home mom didn't let her bother her. She said, with, any, with anything important, you've got to be willing to take some risk. She's a warrior. You see, she found a cause she wanted to embrace that she wanted to give her life to. What about you? What is the cause that you are willing to live for, to work toward, to fight for, even to die for? I want to challenge you today that later this week you'll go home and, and you're going to write down your cause. What is the thing? What is the what is the thing in the next ten years that you say I'm going to invest my life in? I'm going to give everything I've got. Question two: What are the fears that I have to overcome? You you see, every warrior has to deal with his or her, her own fears before they get before they get into before they go into battle. And let's face it, during the past couple years, a lot of warriors have been struggling with their fears. Why? The stock market dropped significantly. The housing market collapsed. Unemployment has been up. 401ks have taken a nosedive. Many warriors are out of work and afraid. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus walked out of that tomb, he met two ladies on that Easter morning on their way to anoint the body with spices. And they were astonished. And he said to them, don't be afraid. 
Later that day, he met the disciples huddled together in the upper room. And they were scared to death. And again, he opened the door and Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. I'm here to tell you today that the message of Easter is relevant 2,000 years later. We're worrying about the economy. We're worrying about our jobs. We're worrying about our homes. and, And God wants to come to each of us and say, Relax. Trust me. Don't be afraid. You see, we, we call fear by many names today. We call it anxiety. We call it stress. We call it worry. We call it tension. God doesn't want you to be afraid. The Bible says we can come before God and freedom without fear. How do we do that? We do that through our faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you're in, you're in trouble and, and, without, and, and you should be afraid. But if you have faith in Jesus Christ, He's here to help. He can get you through anything. Three things you must do to overcome, to face your fears. You must accept God's love. The Bible says there is no fear in love. Why? Because God's perfect love drives out fear. You see, fear and love are opposites. Fear and love cannot exist together. One will overcome the other. The deepest need that every one of us has is, is to, in life is to have unconditional love. God created us so He could love us. Why then did He send His Son, Jesus Christ? So that you, you and I might know Him and that we might love Him back. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You want to overcome your fears? You've got to accept God's love. Secondly, you must believe that Jesus died and rose from, from the grave. This is the central message of Easter. This is what makes Christianity different from other major religions. Everybody says we're tolerant. Everyone goes, goes to the same place no matter what you believe. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that all religious leaders lived, all religi- religious leaders died, and only Jesus rose from the dead and is alive in, in heaven today. Do you realize today that we see the younger generation is, is fa- we say we say the younger generation is falling away from the church. They're falling away from God. And this week I read 67% of people 20 to 29 believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Two-thirds of people in America. Today today in two-thirds of people in America today in their 20s believe that Jesus rose from the dead. This is going to catch you this next thing is going to catch you off guard. 50 54% of people over 30 believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe it's going to take a, a revival from the younger generation to bring some of those people from the older generation back. I believe the message about Jesus is true. I believe He's the only Son of God. He's the only way to eternal life, and because of that, I can live my life with courage and confidence. You say, what about the economy? I don't know about the economy. And if you ask me, I'd probably say I don't care. But that would rock your world. You know why? Because God's in charge. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I, knew, I do know that God's in charge. God created the world. God sustains the world. And someday every one of us will stand before Him. God, the ultimate judge, given, it will have to give an account for what we did with our life in the world. So if we do not accept God's love, I've got, to believe, I've got to believe that. So, I've got to accept God's love. I've got to believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave. And thirdly, I've got to commit my fears in my life to Jesus Christ. You see, the part of, you see, part of the reason so many people are scared about what's going on right now is because they, they place their trust in the wrong places. 
And what you place you, in what you place in your trust is in the things other than God, you're going to be afraid. If you put your trust in the ability to get a good job, that's that's great until you lose your job. If you put your trust in your ability to put a, a big nest egg together for your retirement, then a, then your 401k crashes, you're in trouble. You see, everything we put our, in place of trusting in God will cause us to be afraid. The Bible says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of anyone and don't worry. But have reverence for Christ in your heart and honor Him as Lord. In other words, don't play church. Make Jesus the number one goal in your life. Commit your fears and your struggles, your anxiety. Whatever is going on right now, turn it over to Jesus Christ and let Him handle it. We all have a decision to make. Are we going to be in control of our fears and our struggles? Or are we going to, are we going to come to the, to, to the end of our ropes? We say, I can't deal with this anymore. I need some help and I'm going to turn it over to God. You see, if we're going to be victorious, be a victorious warrior, you've got to determine every day who you live for. Many of us live for the approval of our parents. I'm always amazed at the people that are around my age, 30 or so, and still want their parents' approval. I'm also amazed about how many parents today do everything to please their kids. Or if you're not careful, it's our friends, it's peer pressure. We give in and we try to please those other people around us. And I've got news, they're going to disappoint you sooner or later. Only Jesus Christ can give, give you the peace that you need to, to release your fears. We've got to get up every day and say, I'm going to live for the, the audience of one. Lord, I'm going to please you, no matter what anybody else thinks. The Bible puts it this way, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and he will take care of everything else. If you're going to be a victorious warrior, what's, what's the cause you must embrace? What are the fears you must overcome? And question three, what is the strategy that you must develop? How are you going to go about taking on your opponent? We are involved in a life and death battle today, and whether we realize it or not, how we, how we, how we live the decisions that we make every day will determine whether we spend an eternity, eternity in heaven or not. Once you cross over and you say, you want to follow Jesus Christ, wake up, you're in a, you're, you have a spiritual enemy. He's called the devil. And he will do everything that he can. He hates you. He can't stand what you stand for. And he will come against you and everyone that you love. So warriors, if you're going to fight, what's the best way to fight? The problem is, is that there's, there's a lot of us who have grown up, there are a lot of us who have grown up in the church and we're still living under the assumption that, that we live in a great Christian nation. And, and all our values are godly and centered in the world, and that's just not true. We are no longer the home team. Look at the media. They portray the church as unusual, as preachers and ministers, as weird, and they look at Christians as unusual, and therefore, we are no longer the home team. We are the visiting team, which means we don't change our message, which is the truth. But we have to reevaluate our strategy. Let me suggest two or three things. The way to fight is by touching a knee. Sometimes the best way for a man of, of God to fight is getting on his knees. How in the world did Jesus stay on target? The religious leaders were after him. Everybody surrounded him. They wanted him to heal their family and friends. Everybody he went to. He, there was mobs following him in crowds everywhere he went. How did he get any time to himself? 
How did he stay on point? Because he spent significant amounts of time in prayer, talking to his father. Listen to his advice in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus says this. Jesus says that, uh, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Sometimes the best thing you can do is turn, turn your fears and struggles over to God and let Him handle the situation. And you say, Oh, but Andy, my wife needs to change. Your job's not to change your wife, your spouse. It's your job to love your spouse. Oh, but Andy, my co-workers are at work. I can't stand them. You're going to have to let it go. Maybe, maybe you, you have that strong-willed teenager and they won't do what you say and you're always, you're always hitting heads, you're always butting heads and you, and you can't stand and you, and you say, uh, you're, in, you're in charge and, 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 you can't get, and you've got to get on your knees and say, God, I can't deal with this. I need your help. Sometimes we're going to fight. Touch a knee. Second way to turn is turn a cheek. This is a tough one for warriors. But Jesus did this. Remember when the soldiers came to the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest him? And what did he do? He just stood there. And good old Peter, he pulls out his sword and, and takes a swing at one of the soldiers' heads. And his ear falls off. And what does Jesus do? Jesus reattaches his ear and says, Pete, put the sword away. Now is not, that, now is not the time to have that kind of response. Later on that week, Jesus' body was beaten severely. His body was mutilated. He was nailed to a cross to die. And our Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, could have called down legions of angels to, what, to wipe out everybody that was hurting Him. But He didn't. He didn't take that approach. He said, My motive is not revenge. My motive is love. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Warriors today, men and women, sometimes that's the way you got to fight. Sometimes you have to forgive those who have hurt you. You take the blow, you take the verbal abuse, absorb the hurt like a man. Other times you're going to have to forgive your spouse. You have to humble, you have to humble, you have to be humble and not retaliate, but fight with love. What's our strategy? Sometimes the best plan is to pray and turn it over to God. Sometimes you want to, you want to turn the other cheek and say, forgive, forgive me. And sometimes the best battle plan is to take a stand and fight for what's right. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 10, it says this. Jesus says, don't, don't suppose that I have come to, to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace. And you're like, wait a minute. He's the Prince of Peace. He didn't come to bring peace. If, if you're going to follow me, it might, it, it, he's saying, if you're going to follow me, it might put husband against wife. It might put friend against friend. It might put families against their kids. And some of you who have stood up and taken a stand against Jesus Christ, for some of you, your family thinks you're out to lunch believing this. They think you're crazy. you got to stay strong. Take a stand. Jesus saw the money changers and the, mer and the merchants turning the house of prayer into a flea market. He didn't say that's too bad. He took a stand and he acted. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus was teaching in his hometown of Nazareth. And no one's welcome in your home. They threw him out to the, in the synagogue. They took him to the edge of town and they were going to throw him over the cliff. Then it says, he walked right through them and went away. How do you walk through a mob? Something had to happen in that crowd. As he walked away. In my mind, he looked at those people with that Clint Eastwood kind of look. And he's like, I dare you to touch me. I dare you. <laughs> and he took a stand. 
It's time for some warriors to stand up in this community. To stand up for what's right. We need to stand up for, for what honors God no matter the cost. It's time for us to be bold. I love Exodus 15.3. It says, The Lord is a warrior. These have been these have, have been warriors and heroes. There have been warriors and heroes that have gone before us. They have stood up for what's right. Warriors like Dietrich Bonhoeffner, a German pastor and martyr whose beliefs and convictions ultimately cost his life during World War II. He died in a Nazi Nazi concentration camp, taking a stand against Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party, and he paid for it with his life. Will you accept the challenge to take a stand and be a warrior? This means you've got to do something. If you're going to be victorious, you've got to demonstrate your faith. I won't just talk about it. I won't just wear my HCC shirt. I won't just carry my Bible to work. I will demonstrate my faith. I will do something. And yet so many of us today, we're timid. We say, Andy, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to take a stand. That's not politically correct. We need to be more concerned about being spiritually correct than politically correct. We need to take a stand. What happens when we when we just go to church and we don't when we don't take a stand? It happened in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter twenty-two, uh, verse thirty. It says this: I looked I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. This is a tragic verse of scripture. There is no one that would take a stand in the gap. And when I look and when I think of, of men and women needed today to stand in the gap, I look for people that are going to reach down to people. A world today that is struggling and lost and far from God. And we're going to risk love to point them to, to a holy God. And we're going to somehow do what we, we can to bring them together. And if, and if you risk being the man or woman in the gap, you might get torn apart. You might get ripped into two. That's what God's looking for today. Or there's the Apostle Paul, who was not afraid to be a warrior. He stood up, to be, he stood up boldly and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. 2,000 years ago, when the stone was rolled away and Jesus was alive, the, the, the disciples couldn't believe the story they had heard. They said, He can't be back. He can't be alive. But when He entered that room where they were huddled together in fear, and Jesus says, I'm back, <laughs> and their fear went away. They touched Him. They talked with Him. They ate with Him. They spent time with Him. And then they saw Him ascend into heaven, and their fear went away, and their courage returned. Twelve disciples followed Jesus. Judas hanged himself. John died of old age, and the rest of them were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. They died as warriors. They said that this was the cause they would give their life to. Men and women of HCC, what are you going to give your life to? It's time for the church today to wake up. We're not playing church anymore. This isn't a game. This is life and death, heaven and hell, good and evil. We are at spiritual battle. That's why following Jesus isn't something you, you do one hour a week, or, or, or it's, it's not something you do one weekend on Easter and Christmas. Following Jesus must be your life. You were created by God to advance the kingdom. You were created by God to make a difference in this world. God created you 
men and women, to be warriors. It's time for us to stand up and fight for our families, to fight for our freedom, to fight for our faith. If not now, then when? If not here, then when? If not you, then who?